Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Jeffrey's not here yet because we're doing another of our historical episodes where we reach back into the archives and we find one of our interviews with a fellow author. In this case, it's Mick Kirsten, author of Project to Product and an expert on lean management techniques and process flows and value streams and all kinds of other wonderful things. So if you're interested in those topics, pull up a chair, uh, listen out for Mick and some of his ideas. By the way, as you listen to this, as this comes out on Monday, the 11th of May in 2020, Mick's book, Project to Product, is uh, discounted by its publisher, IT Revolution, also our publisher. Um, and you can find information about that on the website. So just for today, the ebook version is uh, a special deal. So uh, go have a look at that. And here we go over to Historical Squirrel, Historical Jeffrey, and Mick Kirsten. Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So we're uh, here in beautiful, sunny, and somewhat cold Las Vegas. But we're not here to gamble. We're not here for the <laughs> shows or to go up and down the strip. We're here for the uh, DOES, D-O-E-S, the DevOps Enterprise Summit Conference. Mm -hmm. And we're talking to lots of different authors who we've met here and who have very interesting books to tell us about. Who, we've got to, who have we got today, Jeffrey? Uh, today we're with Mick Kirsten. He's the author of Project to Product, How to Survive and Thrive in the Digital Age, or the Age of Digital Disruption with the Flow Framework. Uh, so Mick, tell us where this comes from. What was the, what was the problem that you're trying to address uh, with, with this? I was meeting with a lot of large organizations. And, you know, for me, there's, I've always been very interested in software productivity and really end-to-end -end software delivery at, at scale. And what I was realizing is that we were just ending up in this just a bit increasingly broader and broader range between sort of the haves and have-nots of, mm. of software innovation. Right. Where I was spending most of my time empathizing with global 500 organizations <laughs> who were, seemed to be moving at about a hundredth or a thousandth of the rate of delivery of the organizations that I, I was part of partnering with, basically of tech companies and working with. Right. And I became very interested in understanding you know, why is there such a broad gap, especially given that we're 20 years into Agile. So I think we figured out a fair amount of stuff there. Um, the DevOps practices and, and tools are important, but they're kind of a solved problem. Um, so what's what's the bottleneck? Why why are things still changing so slowly? Why and really for me the war story that's highlighted in the book was seeing yet another transformation with <laughs> a massive budget completely fail to deliver on results. And then this thing clicking for me is like, why does this? In this case, it was a bank. Why does this bank think that they succeeded when every person I interviewed? Because I, at this point I was getting concerned enough like three years ago that. I just started doing a set of interviews to really understand, you know, not my own gut reactions, but what were people saying um, on the business side, on the technology leadership side. I happened to to have contacts there, and the again the transformation was marked a success. Uh, everyone I talked to said IT is delivering a lot less than when we started. Mm. <laughs> so. You know, so, so what, what did they succeed at? Was it just that now they can say that they've done a transformation? Check that success, or? right? So then, then I then I got to realizing, and this is really the whole theme of the book, the whole thing, theme of what I've been focused on from sort of research and um, in our D point of view, is why are we measuring things so differently? Because clearly, what happened was the way that 
the technologists were measuring things and the way that the business was measuring things were completely different. Mm. And then I realized, and this obviously led to the title of the book, um, I realized that that gap is there because the way that, that, that I kept on digging, the way that the business was measuring success was through cost and project plans. Mm. Um, and those don't really work when you're actually thinking of agile, moving faster and investing incrementally and focused on the flow and delivering value. Right. So what happened in the end state of this massive transforma agile transformation, agile and DevOps transformation, was that there was less value delivery at the end of it. Everyone was, that I talked to anyway was agreed on that. And this is technology or business or both? It's a good question. So hold that thought for one okay. second. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, delivering less, but the way that the business was measuring, um, it was a success. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me to my first kind of disaster story was working with Nokia was the same thing where they, by all the metrics they created and even made it like the, you know, Nokia test for agility, mm -hmm. um, by all the metrics, Nokia was doing great at the time I was working with them in 2007. Right. Um, and then you talk to the technologists, it was a complete disaster because they were working on all the wrong things. The, the technologists knew that they, they could not build all the features everyone wanted on the same platform you know, that the yes. OS that was running mm -hmm. on their phones yeah. back in their early and mid 2000s. Um, meanwhile, they're being asked to add all these features like an app store and all these new widgets right. to an architecture that couldn't support them. But to the business, everything was on track, ah, right? Because okay. the test, you know, and, it, and I realized, okay, these are not, these, these are not real metrics that the business is measuring value with because they're not measuring value. Mm -hmm. they, they have proxy metrics for activity Mm -hmm. um, but it's just where we are on the project plan um, for training. Is everyone trained on on Scrum or on <laughs> Safe on whatever framework? Right. We have our certifications yeah. in place. Certifications. Yeah. And it's not that any of those are bad things. It's just that they're not telling you if you're delivering more to your customer or not. Right. So if you're investing heavily, as we know from the theory of constraints, at somewhere that's not the bottleneck. You've got a problem. Mm -hmm. So Nokia could have. The fascinating to me is that Nokia could have hired. Um, double the developers and nothing would have changed right. because the problem in their case, based on every the, the research I've done, was actually in the software architecture. If they worked on replatforming and taking down the tech debt, I think they actually would have had a chance. It wasn't the screens, it was the software um, that, was, that were the problem. So I realized that I think the crux of this problem is that we don't have a common language of, or way of measuring value. And we have some good practices like story points, but I know my CFO's eyes glaze over when I talk to him about story points. <laughs> sure. So and, and I have clients who use the story points as as targets and um, things to whip people with, and I don't. Right. Uh, yeah. Which is not, of course, the point. Yeah. It's but not the point. It's very easy to grab hold of it and say, "Well, why isn't your velocity twice as much this week as last week?" And yeah. Like, but you asked the wrong question. Exactly. So now we at Tastop still use story points because mm -hmm. it's we find it a great way of prioritizing stuff. It is. <laughs> what yeah. to do next, right? Mm -hmm. And. But it's not, it, it's not the right metric for tracking value mm -hmm. is what we've realized. And so, and then back to your point, Jeffrey, um, you know, the, the, in this case, the transformation, because of this disconnect, they, I more often than not at large scales find that IT is transforming on its own because there's not a common, called a conversation, yes. um, between the business and IT around me the measures that matter. Right. So I realized, okay, like the agile team stuff, 
I think it's going okay. I think, you know, you're onto something big with the fact that people need to have better conversations between teams and outside of teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that actually is critical, especially as these changes like the shift of product from project happens, right? It's, it's about engaging in a meaningful way with stakeholders um, outside of your team and across teams and dependencies between teams and all those things. Um, but I realized that I want to focus on something else, which is if you know, we imagine these product value streams, not from the organization's point of view, but from the customer's point of view, mm-hmm. a team is a team's a really important unit. It's too small a unit. We need to understand a common measure for these product value streams, which tend to be team of team size. So say up to 10 agile teams is what I've seen in practice, kind of scrum of scrum size. And we need a common way for the length, for the business and the technologists and the people in IT to actually understand value, happiness, cost, quality um, for those product value streams. And that's why I created this flow framework mm-hmm. to create a simple, common language for measuring even things like velocity. And you can push <laughs> me back on this one in a second at a level of business value delivery. So that's the so level here is, is, is ultimately the, the problem you're, you're, you're facing around this is, is uh, having a way of not a proxy metric for value, but rather measuring value directly. Yeah. yeah, and really measuring. So here's the thing. To really measure value, you need to measure business result, the business outcome. So the flow framework has two components in it that you track for every product value stream. Um, it has the flow metrics of one of four flow items that we can touch on in a second mm-hmm. and how those correlate to a business outcome. Mm-hmm. So the business outcome can be revenue. It can be pipeline conversions. It can be daily active users. It can be adoption of an internal product or API you just launched. Mm-hmm. But you're basically measuring flow and seeing how that affects business outcomes. Mm-hmm. And flow is what for you? Flow is one of four flow items which encapsulate value. So mm-hmm. these will map onto your you know, scaled agile framework work item hierarchy quite nicely. Um, but the four flow items are features, defects, risks, and debts. So mm-hmm. features are value that's visible to the customer. Right. Um, doesn't matter how many story, you know, user stories or epics were under them, but just something that's visible to a customer to, you know, to let the teams decompose the work how they want. Mm-hmm. Um, defects, um, how many defects were fixed, mm-hmm. um, incidents and so on, uh, risks, security, data privacy, compliance, so on. And you're from London, GDPR, um, <laughs> uh, and debts, technical debt, infrastructure mm-hmm. debt, debts with the value stream themselves where you're lacking automation. Mm-hmm. And the whole point is that those are a zero sum game. Agile teams know that, that if you make them do a whole bunch of compliance work this release, they're going to do fewer features. The business appears not to know that. Um, <laughs> so, but forcing the business to understand that there's this trade-off. Um, if you don't allow the teams to take down tech debt, it'll rise and rise and rise until your value stream w- will be basically I- I- incapable of delivering more features at a reasonable velocity, mm-hmm. as happened with Nokia. Mm-hmm. Because the software architecture got completely misaligned um, to what the business needs are. So the whole point of the flow framework is to basically make it possible for the business to understand and what technologists already see, which is that things like technical debt are a first class part of software delivery. So, so. so if I'm understanding this here, so as a you know long term you know agilist, you know, gray hair and gray beard and all of that. Uh, a lot of the early agile stuff was at the team level where you'd have these things like story points and you're doing estimation and uh, for your sprint or your iteration or whatever it is. And you're having a conversation with the business and the developers together in the planning meeting. Uh, and you would find a way to, you know, build a common language and understanding amongst that small team. But if I understand what you're saying is when you get to this, when you're looking at the kind of organizations you're dealing with, the kind of projects you're dealing with and customer value you're dealing with, 
year beyond that team level and you that uh, people haven't been able to have the same conversations at that sort of larger yeah. project level or product level right so th but this is exactly the crux of it right is that that larger level to the business is a project and that doesn't work because when you have a project mentality you start treating people like cogs and move assign them to multiple projects mm -hmm. meanwhile you know, the flow framework is pretty clear. If you assign a member of IT staff to more than one product value stream, you're probably making a mistake. <laughs> how, how do I, how does it make that clear? How do I, how do I, what, what will I see in my, in my flow diagram, my flow state that, that will tell me that I've just yeah, done something bad? That's a key question. So this, and this is it, exactly, so then I realized it's one thing for us, because again, we kind of are preaching to the choir on this. I realized the problem is we need to make this visible to the business, mm -hmm. right? That. If you have a developer, and I, you know, I, I became shocked, and I still get shocked when I hear that you, you, you're going to large enterprise, and developers are assigned to one developer will be assigned to ten different projects, mm -hmm. most of which are supposed to be maintenance mode, but they're still thrashing. <laughs> you will actually see the flow efficiency of the team they're on mm -hmm. go down if they're assigned to multiple things, right? Um, because you're not treating products as what they are, which is this thing with a long life cycle that you want to sunset. Uh, you're treating them as these projects that have a defined end. Mm -hmm. And that is really the whole point is that you're starting, just as another example, um, one of our... So put, when, yeah. What I see, is it going to be a lagging indicator or a leading indicator? And there's like, because I don't know exactly how your model works. Is it going to be something where I'm, well, once I, as you're seeing, like once you move someone over, what you'll see is that you'll see their flow go down. I mean, because you're, you're task switching. So yeah. we know that you're going to have that overhead. We, we, we can, the three of us will all predict, right? You know, put someone on, on three projects, yeah. you get all this done. Then if they were on, you know, one project, you put yeah. them on six projects, it gets worse and so on. So, we, so we'll all, as you said, we all agree. And I'm just curious in this modeling that you're doing, the, 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 what, is, it, is it predictive? Like when they say, okay, we move this person, it, we predict an impact, or is it sort of after the fact, you say like, yep, you can see the flow's gone down. We made right. this change. Yeah. So the flow happened. framework, it, it, it's it's very specific in tracking the flow of work that's done. Right. So it won't allow, you know, of course, you can use historicals to predict, but let me just, you're basically tracking, um, take a feature, what the flow time for that feature was end to end, though, all the yeah. way from when it came in from a customer request, a business, yep. you know, plan or something of that sort, um, to when you've got running code. So the measures don't work until the work is done but basically you can you start seeing all the weight states across yeah. the value stream regardless of what tool that you'll, you'll start seeing the weight accumulate that's right yeah so for i'll just give you another example where we so flow load is another one of the metrics it's it's flow velocity um flow time flow efficiency and flow load and mm -hmm. flow load is like a work in progress measure right? yeah. so it's you know we've we've observed this for ourselves and for our customers is if the flow load gets spikes because you're trying to hit a release deadline, which we all need to do, right? Those are, you know, sometimes you have a, a release window that you need to hit, yeah. right? It's, it's the launch of something. Mm -hmm. um, we know it's frequent with us. You will see within that sprint, because that's how fast work is moving, flow time go through the roof, mm -hmm. right? So it, my most recent story within TaskTop is, you know, April, uh, it was the early access of TaskTop Viz, our new product. Of course, we're trying to finish all these features. But the important thing is we saw at kind of the, the VP level and, and my level um, that flow time got 10 times slower because we did the usual <laughs> kind of stupid thing, which you think we know better, of trying to finish all these features and getting less done in the end. Mm -hmm. So think it's it's less that the, the early um, 
the sort of leading metric that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a real, you, you basically have a near real-time metric of mm -hmm. the work being done. So if something goes sideways right now, you see it. Now, so it's, so it's fast feedback. It's so fast it, feedback. It, it, yeah. So the idea is that you make a change and you should be able to start seeing the impact as soon as the impact's happening. That's right. So exactly. you, it, it's not as opposed to um, a month down the line, oh, look, we missed our deadline. Yeah. Why is that? That's right. A, a year later, let's fire right. everybody because yeah, yeah. we, we sure. get the feature out. Or yeah. ret retrospective, what happened? Well, we had, you know, Mick was assigned to five different projects and he was, you know, that's, that's why this stuff kept waiting. We were, we were blocked all this time. That's right. It's, and it, it's fast feedback. And there's some trailing aspects of it, right? For example, you know, we look for teams to have a high distribution of feature delivery. Like ideally, and you, the, the important thing with the full framework is you, you can determine this for each product value stream, right? Some of our newer tools, of, you know, we like to have them well over 50% feature flow versus the other items, whereas some older team, it's okay for them to just work on debt reduction, risk mm -hmm. reduction, and so on. So mm -hmm. we treat this specifically per value stream. Um, but it's really connecting flow to business results that's key because you can end up with a team that's got this most amazing feature velocity, um, high flow efficiency, and then, but the business results, the daily active users, they're stuck. And so then you, you realize, of course, and, but that's a trailing indicator, the daily sure. active users, yeah. right? But then you're realizing, okay, maybe there's a market fit issue, right? Maybe we're prioritizing the wrong things and so on. And the flow framework won't tell you that, you, that's real you know, work, creative work. <laughs> yeah, this is all you need to have. Yeah. But, you, you have but, to go figure out why. Yeah. I think what I would say is good tools don't give you the answers. Yeah. They allow you to ask good questions. That's right. And that's that's 100%. And by the way, the flow framework is, is just a conceptual framework. It's a one-pager. Um, it's Creative Commons license. My whole point is that people just layer this on top of their agile frameworks to get the business people on the same page. Um, and then what we've noticed is our in our implementation of it in our tools, it's driving the right questions and it's forcing the business side to actually understand those questions and ask the, the questions. And, you know, what's music to my ears is when someone like a senior business leader says like, are we sure we're, we've, we're actually doing enough tech debt work, which is, <laughs> well, that would be a shift. Mind well, our listeners are probably <laughs> well, not great. hearing that. Very I, often. Yeah. I was, I was actually going to ask you a question very much like that. Where, What's gonna? What am I gonna see? What's the leader looking at? What What is he seeing that would lead him to ask that question? So you see historical charts. So in our in our dashboards, you see historical charts. So mm -hmm. you'll see, you know, there's this gut reaction people have. Well, we should spend twenty percent of our time in tech debt. What well, should you? I, I don't know. You should do whatever is right for that product investment. Guess what? Mm -hmm. Chances are that the, the teams know. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> so if you give them a kind of north star where. You know, there's a business source that was like, okay, we really need to get this thing to market and we're willing to take on some more tech debt, mm -hmm. right? And that's that's a reasonable thing as long as it's conscious and you pay down after and not panic again. They need to get to the 1.1 release and, and right. do it again because that's where you get to the death spiral. Um, so you actually start seeing the distribution and you'll see, you know, just as one pattern, flow pattern, you'll start seeing the the portion of the flow that's tech debt go down and down and down as you get to a release, the release happens and the quality work goes up and up and up because all of a sudden you have all these users, um, feature work goes down and then everyone forgets that they <laughs> needed to pay down the tech debt. So you, you know, seasoned engineering leaders kind of get this. They start asking the questions, but within, and but that happens in tech companies. And my whole goal is that business leaders in enterprises actually start asking those questions because they realize they're going to get a lot less out of this product value stream for their customers mm -hmm. um, or their business partners if they're actually not allowing the teams to take it down. Because the teams, of course, are always asking to be able to reduce that tech debt because mm -hmm. they know it's biting them every day. Indeed.
So, and they know that the rest of the business can't understand it and yeah. therefore can't do it. Exactly. So it's all about just, uh, I mean, the, the, the kind of simple way to look at it is just allowing the agile teams to frame that, that problem and that conversation mm-hmm. in the way that the business people understand is like, you'll get a lot less out of us in the next 12 months if <laughs> we don't get to pay this down. And they, I'm sure they say that a lot, but having some numbers can be exactly. helpful. So yeah. can I try to squeeze one in? Yeah. Is that all right? Because you said to come back to velocity. And I think I'm actually getting sold on on your version of velocity, but it sounds like you've got something which would be really valuable, which is some way to measure across teams what the feature velocity is. How do you square that circle? Because uh, Jeffrey's team might be doing terribly intricate um, uh, self-driving car uh, cutting edge work, and I'm cranking out web pages. And yep. he might have a lot fewer features than me, but each one of his are more valuable. How, how do you how do you manage that? Yeah. So, okay. So an interesting thing with the flow metrics is that you basically take your agile work items as an example, but also mm-hmm. your idle um, work and so on, and you map it into those flow items. Okay. So you'll have a definition of feature. By the way, different teams will they have different size features, right? Mm-hmm. But the flow framework discards all story points, all t-shirt sizing, all of that. It just counts features. Okay. Okay. Which means that, and remember the product value stream is between one and 10 teams. So there's this, basically you're getting into this law of large numbers where there's a distribution that makes sense um and really where it's super valuable is comparing that product value stream is their velocity increasing is it decreasing and so on across and all the teams rather across, than just one yeah and interestingly but you don't try to compare between two product streams because that would be really challenging it's apples and oranges exactly, exactly. because jeffrey might be doing his yeah. super complex self-driving car yeah. and I'm, I'm building a web page yeah there's no comparison between the speed yeah. where each going to go because jeffrey's going to go down 10 blind alleys exactly. if i go down blind alleys i'm doing something wrong if he is he's doing exactly the right thing exactly so Got it. okay today, no, no. if my self-driving car goes in blind alley well it, that's it a the different wrong question yeah. yeah 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 so i think basically what i agree with what you're saying is it's basically an anti-pattern to compare velocities across teams so we don't do it but mm-hmm. What we do, for example, is we will look at flow efficiency between different technology stacks. Like, is because you know every, this is just this is a recent story. Everyone got very excited about Scala, so this one product value stream is mostly Scala at its core rather than Java. And so we're asking these questions like, okay, is their flow efficiency higher? By the way, it happens to be. And so it has us ask questions. Well, you know, maybe we should let that other set of teams experiment with Scala and Kafka because maybe they'll move faster than their enterprise Java and the relational database. And of course, we might also find that for their particular product, it doesn't fit. But it's giving us a data point which allows us to ask the question. Exactly, and it's back. Exactly, it's the right conversations. Not you're moving too slow. Why are these? You know, these guys are moving faster. Indeed. So it's about. But if you're the neat thing is if you've got a mind to increasing flow efficiency, you're making your teams happier, which is because happiness is a top level metric. Happiness of the staff on the value stream is a top level metric, and you'll ask. This is just fascinating. You'll see teams with bad product value streams, so sets of teams with bad architecture, are less happy than the ones who've had a chance to invest in their architecture. Who are getting more done and, and you know building cool things mm-hmm. so that's that's actually why i made um happiness this, this top level metric so you you really find those correlations within that product value stream did the architecture really enable more feature flow and did the developers get happier because they got it got easier fantastic all right so we could have executives who talk about improving and investing in, in fixing tech debt and improving team happiness <laughs> i think a lot of our listeners would be extremely happy if that was the kind of conversation they had with executive leaders Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Um, so for, for uh, any of our listeners who want to follow up, who are going to try what you, your, uh, your one pager or your book and then have questions from it, want to give you feedback, how, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, just Google for product to product. You'll get to the book page. Uh, we'll put it. We don't need it'll, it'll be in the show, in the show notes. notes. Don't we'll, worry. We'll, we'll that's easy. That. But how about you personally? So uh, how do they Nick find under, you? 
Cor Kirsten on Twitter or LinkedIn. Okay. And I, I try to respond Excellent. most of everything. So. And we will put that in the show notes as well. Excellent. Great. Well, Mick, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, uh, listeners, uh, do get in touch with Mick by the book uh, Project to Product, uh, linked in the show notes, uh, if you'd like to hear more about, uh, about Mick's ideas. We also, of course, like to hear from you at troubleshootingagile.com, where you'll find Jeffrey and me with email and Twitter and all the other good things that uh, you can ask us uh, questions about uh, about what we're talking about. And, of course, we also like it when people subscribe because uh, we come out every Wednesday. We have a nice short podcast you can listen to and pick up new ideas either from fantastic guests or from uh, us arguing about whatever our, our latest uh, topic <laughs> is. So uh, hit the subscribe button and listen to us next Wednesday. Thank you, Mick, and thank you, Jeffrey. Thanks, Squirrel. Thank you, Squirrel. Thank you, Jeff. Great job.